Welcome in. Table for two. Let's eat with Lauren Godin. Good conversation about great food in New Orleans. Join the conversation now at Let's Eat New Orleans on your socials on New Orleans 106.1 Nash Icon. I said, hey. there. Welcome to the show. I'm Lauren Godin. You're listening to Let's Eat, a new show on food and dining and all things related to what's delicious in the metro area, because I cover a lot of ground. I'm talking about food. There's a lot of ground to cover. And of course, you're listening to me on The Nash, 106.1 FM. And so who am I? Why am I doing a food radio show? Why do you care? I don't know. Maybe I don't, but I hope you do. Uh, I'm a local food writer. I've been doing food writing and restaurant writing for multiple local publications, both uh, local, regional, national, for 23 plus years. And I am called Nola Food Goddess. That was not a name I gave myself. That was given to me many, many years ago. And it stuck. So that's where you can find me on social media is at Nola Food Goddess. If you're into all of that thing, uh, you will find me on Instagram mostly, but I also have a Facebook page and you will find me there talking about food and dining. For whom have I written? I have written for and am currently the food editor for Wear Magazine New Orleans and I write for Country Roads Magazine and I have in the past been the food editor at Gambit, New Orleans Magazine, Louisiana Life, you name it. I've written Go Nola New Orleans, very local New Orleans. I've written for a lot of people. Food is my passion, my thing. I really, really love it. I studied the culinary arts in Paris. I went to school in Paris in 1989 at the Ritz Escoffier in Paris, which is right on Place Vendôme, and got my behind handed to me, uh, staged uh, a bit at the Espadon while I was there, which is the restaurant inside the Ritz, um, but mostly did a lot of um, work, a lot of kitchen work while I was there and at schooling. And it was really, really cool, really interesting, really, really fun. And I worked very hard. And I went to France with my husband who went to law school and he did not work as hard as me. I can tell you that. Anyway, I came back. I've uh, worked for Emeril. I've written for Emeril, wrote for him for 10 years. Um, I've been on local television. I've been on Stepping Out. I did Stepping Out for almost eight years with Peggy Scott Laborde. And that was a wonderful show. It still is a wonderful show. And not there though anymore. And I also was on several of our local television stations, including WDSU where I got to do a food segment there in the 4 o'clock news. And I've done work for ABC 26, which is now called something else. And uh, I did the noon news there and the morning show, Good Morning New Orleans. So basically my entire career has in New Orleans has been about food. I got here when I was around just turning 17 to go to Loyola University and put my feet on the ground here in New Orleans 
put my bags, my stuff in the dorm, and headed to the French Quarter where I had the most amazing first day experience. And if it wasn't telling for me then, it certainly uh, is telling for me today. And that is that I got into the French Quarter, no, don't know anyone, didn't know my way around, and was treated to crawfish at Desire, then met Chef Mike Roussel, who was the chef at Brennan's um, of Royal Street, and he ushered me in through the back door of the kitchen and in an empty dining room by myself, uh, served me my very first ever bananas foster, uh, made them himself, uh, served table side, was amazing. He and I stayed friends until his passing. Uh, then I went and ended up at Arnaud's, where I was served Coquille Saint-Jacques and treated to Café Brulot. That was all in one day, my first day in New Orleans. So I don't know, that's kind of crazy. But anyway, became a food writer and have been doing this and doing this gig for a long time. Love it very, very much. So I'm really thrilled to be here and glad for you to join me. If you're just tuning in, my name is Lauren Godan, also known as NOLA Food Goddess, and you're listening to me on the NASH 106.1 FM. The show is called Let's Eat, and that's what I'm hoping we will all do. Get out there and eat, whether you're cooking, whether you go to the restaurants, if you're still not doing that restaurant thing, maybe you're sitting outside, but maybe you're getting to-go food. We need to talk about that to-go food situation. It's a very, very interesting subject to talk about. And speaking of which, if you want to join the conversation for right now, the best way to join it is to give me a call, leave me a message. I have a message line, and the phone number for that is 504-356-0530. And if you leave me a message, I will get a notification and I'll get to hear it. And there's a possibility that I can play it on the air. We're working out all these kinks. You know, the pandemic's been very interesting for everybody and everything, including radio. And this, we are just trying out for the first time. If you are not a voicemail person and you would rather instead send me an email, you may do so. You can send me an email at letseatneworleans at gmail.com. I will get those emails. I respond to everybody at every email. So don't fear not. If I don't get to you straight away, I definitely will. I definitely leave a message. I definitely will respond. You can count on it. So basically the mission, make you hungry, uh, kind of let you in on what's cool and new, what I'm finding around town and food. The pandemic has created a lot of um, problems as much as it has in the food industry, created some very interesting entrepreneurship, really fabulous creative cooks and people doing neat stuff. We're going to cover as much of that as humanly possible, not just in this show, but in general, all the way across there. What's fun, what's worth eating, what's worth your time, what's worth your money, what's worth your calories. Um, all of it, there is a lot going on in town. And so there's, which leads me to tell you that generally speaking, when I kick off the show, I'll probably let you know kind of what I've been eating in the past week and where I've passed by and stopped in and so on. And of course, that's somewhat limited because clearly I'm masking as is required. I'm doing the, all the things. Uh, very fortunate to be able to get out there and do that. And I eat a lot of to-go food as well. So this past week, though, um, of course, it was Carnival Week. I ate a lot of king cakes at home. And we need to talk about king cakes. We need to talk, what is king cake? Because the way I understood king cake is that it is, 
you know, that old school kind of Mackenzie style, people of an age, you'll know what I'm talking about, really kind of a drier brioche, uh, no icing on the top, just colored sugar. That's my husband's personal favorite. We call him counselor. If you hear that, you'll know I'm talking. If I talk about counselor, that's my husband. And that's his favorite. I learned to love it that way too. But this time I've had a bunch of really, this season, I had a bunch of different king cakes, lots of flavors and stuffed and filled with all kinds of this and that. Those to me are not king cake. Oh, I know. Blasphemy. If you disagree, holla. Let me know. Remember the phone number. Leave me a message. I will not be mad. You can have an opposing opinion. It is okay. 504-356-0530 to leave me a message or send me an email. Let's eat New Orleans at gmail.com. Anyway, I've had all of the Brennan, the three Brennan's king cakes. First time in 75 years that they are doing retail uh, sales of king cake. So I tried the strawberry one, a little on the sweet side for me, but it definitely tasted of strawberries. And I can tell you that children loved that one. That was very popular. It's pink, it's glittery. What's not to love? The chocolate one I adored. I thought it was great. Again, question mark on whether we could call that king cake, but they call it king cake. Okie doke. Uh, lots of fudge and they put cocoa powder in the brioche dough. So you still got that funky sort of flavor of the brioche, but then with the cocoa powder and then loads and loads of chocolate. I was a pretty happy camper on that one. Uh, but there were tons of really different and interesting king cakes. Let me know what you loved, what you hated. You know, let's talk about it. In this episode, we're going to cover to-go food and maybe noodling around some cool noodle dishes that I had and focal point this week, oysters. Um, oysters are a big deal. We are in Lent. We will be talking to Sal Sanceri of P&J Oysters, and he will give us a little primer on kind of what to expect. He, he actually schooled me pretty hard. I had a, some really wrong ideas about how oysters are raised and what makes them yummy and salty or not, as the case may be, spawning season, when we eat them. Anyway, he'll, he'll clue us in. And then we're going to talk to Jennifer and Brandon Blackwell, who own Elysian Seafood inside uh, St. Rock and Market and Auction House. Um, and those two places are two food halls. One, of course, is in Maroney. One's in the Warehouse District. We will talk to them about what's going on and what they're serving and Lenten season, because it is Lent. And yes, I do Lent, even though not for religious reasons, for health reasons. Alcohol free for 40, hashtag alcohol free for 40. Eat Fit NOLA. If you don't know what it is, hit the Googles. It's really cool. And uh, I'm also doing sugar free for 40. Mm, cross your fingers on that one. I, am a, I, I, I like sweets and pastry a lot. So that's a really tough, that is really giving up something. That's really living the moment on that one. Anyway, we'll have all of that coming up. If you will, stay tuned. You're listening to me, Lauren Godan, NOLA Food Goddess. This is Let's Eat on the Nash 106.1 FM. Talk to you when we get back from the break. Good conversation about great food from the best culinary city in the world. Let's eat with Lauren Godin on 1061 Nash Icon. Welcome in. Table for two. Let's eat with Lauren Godin. 
good conversation about great food in New Orleans. Join the conversation now at Let's Eat New Orleans on your socials on New Orleans 106.1 Nash Icon. Talking oysters. If you're not digging oysters, you need to get on the train, check them out. Ugh, Louisiana oysters. What is more delicious than a Louisiana oyster? As far as I'm concerned, a whole lot of nothing. And I'm proud to say that I've got my guru, my oyster guru, my teacher. Ooh, guru. Yeah, my oyster <laughs> guru here with me. Uh, Sal Sinceri, of course, of P&J Oysters, an over 140-year-old family-owned business, amazing, obviously the oyster producer and distributor extraordinaire of New Orleans, who thankfully told me a lot about how oysters get their flavor because I had it really wrong. And I've been writing about food a long time and I don't mind being wrong, I'd rather be right. So I got the guy and he's here to tell us more about how oysters, what affects the flavor of oysters, why we should be and can eat a delicious oyster in August. Yes, I know, a month without an R. Welcome, Sal Sanceri. Well, thank you for having me, Lauren. I appreciate you doing this and uh, sharing the good word of the oyster. And uh, yes, we've been around 145 years. And a matter of fact, here at this location, Toulouse and Rampart, and across the street, we've been here for 100 years this year. Wow, congratulations, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, family tradition, honey. <laughs> I know, and you have sons that are now in the biz too, yes? A son and a uh, nephew. Oh, son and a nephew, yes, perfect. Yes. Nephew's been here a lot longer. Amazing. Yes, yes, great. All right, so. You know, I got shell-shocked when I learned that the information I had about oysters was wrong. No pun intended. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I had always been led to believe and believed that, that the temperature of the water affected the flavor of the oyster, that, of course, the salinity of the water. I mean, I think that's kind yeah, of an that's obvious. A yeah. That's a big part. So will you tell us what makes an oyster taste great? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, the myth about the R month, you yeah. alluded to that earlier. Yeah. Uh, that's not true. It was all about refrigeration. A lot of people do know it, but I would say most people don't realize that, hey, the R month had nothing to do with the, uh, you know, the oyster itself. So refrigeration, of course, is what changed all that. Because um, in my opinion, uh, September, October, a little bit of August um, are probably the thinnest point. So it's not as full, right? What do you mean it's thinnest? Well, they're not eating quite as much. Oh, okay. The water's not moving. Okay. Okay, so they're not as full and happy because you want a happy oyster. Now, of course, they're still wonderful. They're just not as full. Meaning that they're not as fat? Yes, not okay. as fat. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. So uh, the, the um, 
product itself changes according to the environment, uh, rainfall, uh, tidal movements, uh, directional winds, um, all that combines into what will dictate how that oyster is going to taste. And yeah, August, sure enough, they're wonderful, beautiful oysters in August, too. And they're not so affected by round, spawning? Uh, well, they, they, they become thinner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's when they start to thin out. Oh, is and when they're spawning. Be, okay. They could be milky in uh, January, February, March, um, but not uh, typically at all July, August, September, October. Very and, interesting. Yeah. So again, it's Mother Nature that dictates how that oyster is going to taste. It, it's um, not the, uh, what will you mention? Temperature of the and water. Temperature of the water does not dictate the flavor. That's so crazy. I don't know why I've always believed it. I guess that I had thought that, that if it was cold water, those oysters were cold and, I, you know, I don't know. May, I'm, am I making that all up, apparently? Well, um, again, we produce more than any other producing area in the nation. So the Gulf South produces the most, Louisiana produces the most. And it's the warm water that actually helps produce quicker. Wow. Okay, so the yeah. east and west coast, they're colder water, but it takes them a whole lot longer to produce their oysters. So, um, yeah, it's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with, okay. with warm cultured oysters here in Louisiana. And it has nothing Beautiful. to do with the flavor, though. No. No, okay. the temperature of yeah. the water does not have anything to do with the flavor. Schooling again. I, I'm glad to know that. I don't know. I guess it, like I said, it just must have been popular myth, and I, you know, bought it hook, line, and sinker. And I think it, I love our Louisiana oysters. I prefer them, I think, when they're a little bit thinner, which is interesting now that I understand that that's right around the spawning time or just after spawning and it's amazing to me because i i don't those big fat oysters of course i will eat them and i enjoy them but i kind of prefer the thinner ones okay again okay. living and learning okay i mean today here at PJ, our oysters are amazing they're on the eat from the east side of the river um and Caraca bay and these are just amazing that's what you're getting in right now beautiful farm oysters um that you heard of the cock oyster right yep okay not everybody knows what that well is. share tell do you know what that is well i'm assuming that no. i know but no, I, maybe no, i don't no 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 it's nothing to do with that <laughs> i'm not so. my mind is not in the gutter oh my goodness. <laughs> so sure enough uh years ago uh um they compared it to the cockle so ah. the cockle has this purplish, kind of brownish purple uh, color to it. Right? Yeah. Or mullet. Yeah. And so they looked at it and said, oh, that's pretty cool. And when our oysters are purplish, blackish, copper looking, brown, orange. Yeah. And that beautiful epitome of an oyster. That's what I call the epitome of an oyster. And it's because of the nutrients and the perfect environment that they're living in. And that generates this gorgeous oyster. Wow. It's called the cock oyster. And it was taken from the cockle. Lauren. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I actually thought it was having to do with male versus female. No, so no, stop, again, stop, stop it's right all now. It's good. I mean, people can say whatever. <laughs> it is a sexy product, and it's all good. Yeah, we'll keep that going. So it's got to do though with if people are not familiar with cockles, which is a mollusk, which is in that same family as a mussel and those kinds of little shellfish. Sure. We get some cockles in town here. I don't know who brings them in. I don't know where they come from, but I've seen them at a couple different places. Typically not around from around here. No, I would imagine yeah, not. not. Right, brought in. Yes, yeah. I would imagine. All right, Same so. Because well, ours right. too gritty and stuff. And mussels as well, yeah? Yes. Right. So for the oysters, that coloration that too has something to do with the nutrients and the flavor of the of it. Yes. And you love one that's got that wacky... Which we have now. Oh. On the east side of the river. And they're perfect, they're plump, they're gorgeous, and they're colorful. Wow, that's really neat. And they taste really good. Yes, amazing. Mm. Your favorite way to eat an oyster is? Well, that's too easy because it is raw. Yeah. I mean, that, like I said, right now, this product is just amazing. Off the shell, off slurped. Off the shell, no sauce. No nothing. Straight up. That's me. Straight up. Right off the shell yeah. with but the oyster. Again, I mean, I eat them all sorts of ways. Oh, yeah? I do my own char-grilled sauce and everything. Uh, but our, in the cookbook, P&J cookbook, uh, Oyster Joseph is a, is a go-to family recipe that we always have for the family. Okay, what's in it? And it's it's basically a mosca, you know, but but a little tweak here and there. You got to read the book. I can't tell you. <laughs> no, no. It's not about telling me. No. I have the book, but it's about telling the listeners. That's true. So again, it's it's comparable to to mosca. To an oyster's mosca. Yeah. So there's some breadcrumb. Dad's favorite. Wow. Oyster Joseph. Yum. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. So that kind of what we're talking about is the oysters. Are you taking them out of the shell? You, do you do them like Mosca does and put the Mosca does and they put them in a pan yes, with the breadcrumb and the butter and the oil and yes, like a pan yes, roast. Yes. Mm. Butter, garlic, lots of garlic. Don't forget the garlic. You can't forget the garlic. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. All right. So what area? Are these beautiful cock oysters coming from? Well, once again, east side of the river, east side, Bay, okay. And uh, you know, we draw from all sorts of areas, and uh, as a matter of fact, some from uh, Bay Saint Blanc on the west side of the river are just amazing, beautiful, good flavor. Um, some cock oysters, just just great. I mean, now's the time. Now's the time to eat oysters. Okay, so now's the time, and we're in the almost towards the end of February. And then you think this is prime oyster eating time? Sure. Okay. Sure. And again, product-wise, though, it can be uh, throughout the year. It depends on how deep they got them from, how uh, the tidal movement is. I mean, sometimes in August, you could have a product that looks like today's oyster. No kidding. Yeah. I guess that, well, it's Mother Nature. I'm, stand, I'm looking at a Gulf of Mexico map over your shoulder yeah. that's divided by o- map that oyster areas. Yes. What is the importance of these oyster areas? Well, I mean, that's how we regulate also uh, wildlife and fisheries and Department of Health. And um, so it's separate. It's, it's all designated different areas. And uh, so it's 1 through 28, one starting on the east side of the river and goes all the way to Texas. So uh, we know where the product comes from, the origin. And, of course, we have done this forever, P&J especially, has done uh, specific origins and designating and stating where our product's from. 
and the bays, the bayous, the lakes, whatever it is. Just like I said, Basin Bois, you know, yeah. and then you got the area 11, Caraca Bay, area 3. So there's a combination of ways to promote market and, you know. Yeah, I'm looking at the map as you're talking about them and looking at where the lake is positioned and where area 3 is which is kind of, if you will, east, <laughs> and yeah, then exactly. area 11, which looks to me south, like southwest. almost directly south, and, yeah, yeah, om, yeah, right? Yeah. Almost, oh, I see, a bit southwest, yeah, I see New Orleans, yikes, my old lady eyes. So those air, different areas are gonna have different levels of salinity, or are they all pretty much the well, same? Depends. It depends. It it's a mother depends. nature thing again? Yes, yeah. All right, so then does so it matter? waters you know and and the river's real high and there's rain a combination of that and those and northerly winds right mm -hmm. you're going to get a flatter tasting oyster those of course are still wonderful but you cook with them ah okay yeah. so those that are all right so does it matter then when we go in and they say, and they've got it on the board that says these are oysters from area three area six area eleven does that matter well it, it's Pointing out origin, your shuck is going to know, hopefully your wait staff knows what's going on with the product. And again, it, it depends. Mother Nature, Lauren. Mother Nature. <laughs> She's she ruling said, the roost. Okay, what happens here? Amazing. Well, I think that we got our schooling and want to remind everybody, P&J Oysters, 100 years in this location on Toulouse, which is incredible. The business 145 years yes, yes. we want to support our fisher people in louisiana we want to eat louisiana oysters yes other oysters are really nice but let's support our local fisher people as much as humanly possible i believe that i know you do and also always the process and distributor to make sure you get the stuff exactly <laughs> and those shells making sure that they get back into the water into the water to reproduce and yeah, to reproduce and to build reefs yeah. and help coastal erosion right and i know that Keep you guys are from beating us up yep a million thanks sal sinceri p and j oysters sal the name of the book again is p and j oyster cookbook and it's a must beautiful big coffee table style book with incredible recipes in it and loads of information not as much fun as talking to the main man himself but it's still a brilliant thing and we continue this oyster conversation because there's a lot to chew on. Oh, chew versus slurp. Hmm. Do you chew your oysters? Of course. You don't just swallow. I take one bite and swallow. No, oh, no, man. You got to chew. You get the full flavor. All right. More oysters and things to chew on or not. Talk to you soon. Conversation about great food from the best culinary city in the world. Let's eat with Lauren Godin on 1061 Nash Icon. Welcome in. Table for two. Let's eat with Lauren Godin. 
good conversation about great food in New Orleans. Join the conversation now at Let's Eat New Orleans on your socials on New Orleans 1061 Nash Icon. There's a really funny adage, a thing that people talk about all the time with oysters, and then that a query, a question. Who was the first person to open up an oyster, look inside, look at the thing itself, and go, mmm, that looks delicious, let's eat it. Yeah, that question gets asked a lot, and it's pretty funny, and you think about it, and you're like, mm, yeah, I guess it's not that beautiful to some. But to me, oysters are, well, they're just little beautiful glistening, gorgeous things that come right out of our waters. And uh, I've had the good fortune of being able to eat a lot of oysters uh, from across the, the world, actually. And that is really a privilege. And I've eaten West Coast oysters and East Coast oysters and oysters from of, uh, other countries and in France. And when I was young, I, we lived in Portugal in a little fishing town called Caix Caix, and I had the good fortune to uh, eat lots of seafood, uh, different seafoods than are here, uh, fresh brizzling sardines, langoustine, uh, things of that nature. It just, it, you know, I learned at a young age to appreciate seafood. So it was never a strange thing for me when I got here in the late 70s and we were eating oysters that were from the Gulf. Uh, crack it open, not a problem. I'm in, slurp it on down oyster liquor silt dirt shell and all I'm, I'm in and uh and i of course i was just transported uh those flavors are for me uh it just it's just craziness on my brain so for me when i open an oyster and i smell the oyster and i taste that oyster liquor and it is got a little bit of briny if i'm lucky a lot of briny and i love that a little bit of that metallic flavor and if it has just a teeny hit hint of the milkiness again i'm looking for that balance and the flavors are great and it's so much fun to eat oysters, in my opinion, because you can eat them raw. You can, of course, have them char-grilled. You can roll them in corn meal and corn flour and fry them up. Well, I mean, really, you know, a big pile on some pan bread, some toast bread, big, fat, thick toast bread at Casamento's. Yeah, that's my kind of meal. And I think what's most interesting is the fact that Louisiana, in general, we... Our seasons kind of lean culinary, certainly South Louisiana, um, New Orleans more particularly. Our seasons tend to lean culinary. The reopening of Casamento's in mid-September was is always a, a signal, a sign to me that it's fall and it's time for oysters. The uh, month of months with the letter R, notwithstanding, you heard me talk about that with Sal Sanceri. I'm pretty psyched to go ahead and uh, slurp down some serious uh, August oysters. Uh, and I think that's just pretty amazing. And, you know, oysters are not, they're not, they're not inexpensive. They're expensive. They can be. And that's because, of course, you know, the oyster fishermen, the reefs, the beds and everything were hit pretty hard by a bunch of different storms. So, you know, thank you once again, another pandemic issue. Um, they are something really special and really dear. So when you stumble upon a place that's, Got great seafood in general, but then also offers an oyster happy hour. Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. Now, 
here's the thing you have to you can't you know sit at the bar you know we're still in that space you can't sit at the oyster bar but they can bring the oysters to you and the tables are spread out and it's fantastic and I got the chance and who is the they and where was I to sit down and talk about oyster happy hour with Brandon and Jennifer Sherrod Blackwell they are the proprietors of Elysian Seafood they have two locations one inside of Auction House Market, the second inside of St. Rock Market. And their oysters are so nice and especially nice because they are at a happy hour. And I want you to listen in as Jen tells us and Brandon too about the different kinds of oysters that they're able to get right now. You know, things are a teeny bit scarce, but they've got two different kinds. And Jen will share that information with you and it's just such happy making, oyster eating. All right, here we go. Jen, tell us about your oyster happy so, hour. So right now we are actually just doing two types of oysters at a time. Our wild uh, harvested Gulf oysters come from Captain Johnny Smith, um, and those come from St. Bernard Parish, Area 3. Um, We have those all the time. That's what we use for our oyster happy hour for our regular just half-shell oysters and for our char-grilled oysters. Area 3 is a particularly nice, I think. Oh, yeah. I love the oysters that come. And if you don't know um, and you're not familiar with the way that oyster areas work, uh, each area is in a different part of the water, which has different levels of salinity to it, right? Am I I saying this correctly, guys? Yeah. The salinity levels can vary within each area through different times of the year as well. But yeah, there's something special about the oysters coming out of Area 3. And, and that's St. Bernard? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they're really, really nice. So you're getting eating that's oyster happy hour. Wait a minute, I lost my So we do oyster happy hour um, Monday through Friday at both Auction House and St. Rock. From 4 to 7 p.m., uh, we do $6 uh, for six uh, raw half-shell oysters the ones from St. Bernard Parish, and then we do a special on char grilled as well, and that's uh, three for six. So. Wow, that's a nice happy hour, and then yeah. of course you have a bar at both locations. Correct. So yeah. if you were a person who likes to have a little bubbly or have some wine, or yeah. know, but however you roll with your oysters. So yeah, the bar has happy hour specials that go right along with it, so. Very nice. Yeah, a nice kava. And you can build a belly up to your oyster bar, and then also there's open seating that's nicely distanced as well. Correct. Um, yes, so well. right now, because of COVID, you can't st- eat at the oyster bar. Okay, thank you. I'm glad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, Even it's bar. Right. Yeah, it's considered the same as sitting at a, at a bar. Hey. So. Yeah. I, I did not know. Yeah. But still plenty of, like you said, plenty of seating around. Um, you know, tables are spaced safely apart. Properly, yes. Yep. That's perfect. All right, and then you said you have three types of wild oysters, right? So we have wild oysters, and then we're doing a rotating farmed oyster right now. Uh, Currently, um, we have a new oyster farm that just came online this year, um, Tesvich Farms. Um, They are fourth generation uh, father and son. Tesvich sort of tells the Mm -hmm. tale of Croatia. Yep, yep. (laughs) Um, So they're great. They just came online with their first farmed oysters this year, and they're calling them candy um, they're ah, sweet, they're sweet but salty, so it's a perfect name for them. Do you think it tastes really sweet but salty? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Do you slurp them and take a bite just so you get the flavors, or are you a, I, I actually met someone who chews oysters. I like chew them. Philistine. <laughs> 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 okay, 
Gotta get all that flavor. I mean, my, so yeah, my grandmother taught me to eat oysters, and you know the idea was you just slurped it down, right? You yes. Just went down your throat. You One never, right? Or yeah. not even a bite. You not just bite. you just slurped it and swallowed it. And no, now like I want to taste it. Like I'm, yeah, you get it in so there. You're it. Yeah. 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 Well, you also put cocktail sauce. <laughs> well, you know, it depends on the mood. Like we were saying, you know, with the with the wild oysters, yeah. Give me some cocktail sauce. Give me, you know, give me a, a nice brown ale. Like a, you know, I want a beer with that, right? Right. But then you get an off-bottom cultivated oyster. You know, don't don't mess it up with the sauce. So get a nice off-bottom, right? Now, I want to tell me a little it, bit more about those. So those are the ones there. They're typically raised in cages. There's also a long line method, but I think the, the Gulf farmers tend to use the, uh, the cage method. So they're raised, that's what I call off-bottom cultivated, because these cages actually float. They sit off the they bottom. They sit off the so bottom. So not that much silt going in, yeah? Right. So you don't, you don't see the barnacles and the mud and, you know, all that stuff that you get with a regular bottom dredged wild, uh, wild oyster. Hey, if you're just joining us, we are talking to Brandon Blackwell and Jen Sherrod Blackwell, <laughs> owners of Elysian Seafood, talking about oysters because uh, it's that time of year, we're in Lent. And so seafood's a big thing. And they don't just have oysters, but my focal point this week is on oysters, so you guys will forgive me. Sure. I know you have a much broader venue I <laughs> that does a lot of seafood stuff. And I encourage everyone to get online there at the website as well if you want to check out the fuller menu of what's happening. So you'll forgive me, but we're going to focus on that oyster. And you were talking about off-bottom does not have all of the mud and the barnacles and so on. So is it a cleaner oyster? A cleaner tasting? So... In a way, yes. Uh, I mean, it's physically cleaner because it's not on the bottom. But the flavor is, uh, it can be a little more nuanced um, than a wild oyster. It has a, they can have a, a depth of flavor and you can really taste the difference between, you know, a murder point versus, a, you know, a candy or something like that. Give us what if you're tasting the difference. What are, use the words that would tell me the flavor differences between those oysters. Um, right, Jen, you're gonna go. I'll, I'll take my sommelier background here. Yeah, take your sommelier background. Yeah. Um, so Murder Point, you know, their tagline is butter babies. Okay. Um, they are rich and buttery and delicious. Um, usually pretty high salinity as well. Um, and then Navy Coves, which are from Fort Morgan, right around the corner, you know, very close to, to uh, Murder Point, are much different. They can have a more sort of earthy, mushroomy flavor. Um, so they, you know... A little more umami. Uh, yeah, a little more umami flavor there. All right, and for those who are not familiar with that, that's the fifth flavor, allegedly, yeah. that's <laughs> umami, which is that mushroomy, mm-hmm. sort of you can't put your finger on it. Right. But savory yep. flavor. Right. So there's some people who are like, what is that? Umami? Is that umami? 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 Umami?
dilute the salinity in the oyster. Um, there's times when the way the which way the wind's blowing affects the salinity of the oyster. If you have a wind coming in from the Gulf, you're pushing more salt water into those beds and into the, the farms. Amazing. So, all right. So we have oysters, oyster happy hour. We got Louisiana oysters, Gulf oysters, and we have a couple of East Coast. Yeah, we haven't brought East Coast back yet that, since COVID. Um, you know, as you said earlier, like we're, we're trying to support our local farms. Yes. They've, you know, suffered a lot this last year. Yeah, um, Brightside Oysters, I think, has uh, launched a GoFundMe. Yes, so Brightside for hurricanes. Yeah, and this was their first year of harvesting, and you know we've been we've been following them along and in contact with them for the last couple years as they were getting going, and we were super excited to start using them this year. And then first the pandemic hit, so we weren't open and we weren't really carrying any farm boosters at first. And then once we've kind of started, now he got he got hit by four hurricanes and lost a lot of a lot of oysters. Um, so yeah, he's having he's had a rough couple of years for sure. All right, so if you love Louisiana, eat an oyster. <laughs> yep. Right. Um, I want to thank you guys so so much for talking. I'll be quickly with about <laughs> oysters and what you do. Reminding everybody again, Elysian Seafood, two locations. You guys go ahead, tell us where they are. St. Rock Market and uh, and the Auction House Market. Right, and one is in Marigny, one is in the Warehouse District. I love you guys so much. Please come check out Legion Seafood. And as I said just a moment ago, if you want to love Louisiana, eat an oyster. Good conversation about great food from the best culinary city in the world. Let's Eat with Lauren Godin on 1061 Nash Icon. Welcome in. Table for two. Let's eat with Lauren Godin. Good conversation about great food in New Orleans. Join the conversation now at Let's Eat New Orleans on your socials on New Orleans 1061 Nash Icon. I don't know about you, but I am going to be eating a lot of oysters in the coming... I'm so hungry, and they sound so good. I love a good, salty, delicious oyster. And I also love them char-grilled. I love them fried. I love oysters in general. You know, a fried oyster that's hot and crispy on the outside and has that cool center. Beautiful blue plate mayonnaise, French bread, butter, lettuce. Oh, man. Nothing better than an oyster po' boy. And I love all the different renditions of oyster dishes that I've found recently. Some I've had, some I just want to tip you off to because they sound amazing and I'm hoping to get out and try them soon. But of course, you know, charcoal oysters you can get pretty much everywhere. I happen to be a big fan of Casamento's for chargrills. Not only is it near to me, um, but it's near to my heart. I love the historical element of Casamentos. If you've never been, it's on Magazine Street just before Napoleon. I highly encourage you to get there uh, for its historic significance and, of course, for the beautiful oysters. I also love the Oysters Pacora 
That dish is an Indian dish. The gang at Plume in Algiers Point are doing really neat stuff. A pakora is kind of like a fritter. And the batter is a different style. It's a chickpea batter. And I think we need to talk about Indian food. So we will be doing a show on that soon. But if you are so inclined, go over to Algiers Point. Look up Plume and Algiers. They're amazing. Wood-fired oysters at Koshan. Amazing, too. Um... I just love that the way that that wood smell kind of infuses the oyster and, and then they are tender. They're not like erasers. They're just beautiful, a little bit of chew on them. Perfect as far as I'm concerned. Uh, again, another place for great char grills. I happen to love Moro's. Uh, Moro's is great. It is on St. Claude in Marigny. Another spectacular spot for char grill oysters, oyster chowder, oyster soup. Go check out Bob Iacovoni at um, Iacovoni Kitchen on Ferret Street. Uh, his soups are amazing. Oh, have I said amazing enough? Anyway, they're really delicious, and I love that soup. It's got a richness, and it's creamy, and it's generous, and it's briny, and it's salty, and it's outrageously good. And so I hope you will continue this conversation with me and we will go next week continuing the Lenten discussion, tipping on hitting you with fish fries and all things to do with seafood in addition to some other stuff, other foods, talking with a fellow food writer. I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say, where she's going, what she's enjoying and we will keep this conversation alive. Email me at Let's eat New Orleans at gmail.com or leave me a message. Give me uh, your thoughts, your ideas. How do you eat oysters? Do you eat oysters? Are you sick of hearing me talk about oysters? 504, the number is 504-356-0530. And as I like to do and as I preach, get out there, New Orleans. Let's eat. Conversation about great food from the best culinary city in the world. Let's eat with Lauren Godin on 1061 Nash Icon.